Welcome to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Bierman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We invite you to be a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. And now join us in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for today's broadcast. Well, good morning. And I know people are actually still coming in, but that's all right. We're starting at 11, but I know this part of the world, we start... I know a lot of churches, I, we, we went to one, we have to share this, my wife and I, we won't say the city, it was in Florida. And the 10.30 service often started at 10.35, 10.40, a couple of times 10.45, because the pastor couldn't quite find his way to the back of the church, he would get involved in something else, so... The poor organist that was doing the prelude music would look at me, because I was there, I don't know where the guy is, waiting for him to show up. I'm thankful for everybody that came here today. Because I know a lot, I know some churches are closed, some are starting late. We came up yesterday to kind of make the decision, would we have church today or not? Just to double check, you don't know. So, Scott... And I know Brett was, uh, was helping yesterday, and my wife, Lori, more than I can. I'm not allowed to do certain things right now. And they shoveled out the front, so there'd be parking in the front for anybody that came today. The one thing my wife reminded me of, and this is so important, that just because some people locally may not be able to make it, we need to have something... For those growing number of people that watch every Sunday from wherever, from Ohio, from Michigan, I'm trying to remember the city in Canada, San Francisco, California, Texas. I mean, I'm going down the list of people that watch the entire broadcast from all over. And it's amazing how it is growing and how many people may watch it Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon and and a surprising number on Monday, all all throughout the day on Monday. So we are thrilled about the opportunity that we have. Let's see, I'm trying to get this to work. I'm going to be training anybody else who would like to learn how to run this little remote. It's really not that hard. It's just when I'm doing two or three things, it's hard. I'm trying to think of any announcements that are pertinent um, that may or may not be in the bulletin. I don't even have mine. Well, I do have one in front of me. Let's see. Yeah. um, When we have something like this, I want to make sure, and we'll give you a way to prefer this. Would you rather have an email, a text, or something along that line if there's going to be any issue with the service? I don't mind sending out a text. I have a way to do that pretty easy from my computer. 
and it would come, you know, like a T-Mobile type of text, and it would have the name of Trinity Chapel on it, and just, just to say, gee, service is suspended, or this, that, and the other, or we have no electricity, or the water main broke, or, you know, just so we could let you know. So, you know, you know you're not having to look. We'll always have it on the webpage. We'll always have it on the webpage. And also on the Facebook page. I put that up yesterday. And I kind of wondered how well the heating system would work in this building when the temperature outside is around, oh, I don't know, 8, 9, or 10. And is it comfortable to you in here today? I'm, I'm ha- Look, I'm, I'm warm in this. So I could almost shed the jacket, but I have a hard time keeping my shirt tucked in so this way I don't look like a slob on TV. I really do. That's been an issue of mine all my life. Um, Brian and his wife, Joan, who you see here often, he, he sometimes comes with a wheelchair. Uh, he is in the hospital. He's, he, as far as I know, everything would be all right. He and I talked earlier. Apparently, when they were looking at some property where there's a barn, he was exposed to some chemicals that have caused some rashes and a breakout on his legs and everything else. So he's trying to get that taken care of. And so he was home, and then he's back in, as, and, and I believe it's the VA hospital or something that he's dealing with. I'm going to try to get a hold of him later today. He had sent, they had, Joan had sent Lori a message this morning, and I just haven't had a chance to follow up yet. So keep Brian. He's just an incredible guy when you get to know him uh, in your prayers. And so, and, and something else, and I, I'm not going to get into detail, and I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, Except the more I thought about it, somebody within this church was suggesting we do something in terms of instructing for children in a children's church. I love the idea. I absolutely, I mean, it almost brings tears to my eyes. Because I am the product of having a Christian education, something we're also working on in the background. But to have something for children, you bet. I'm... I'm all for it, and as I've told everybody here, I love your suggestions and your ideas. I'm on board, for the most part, with anything you need or want or we can do. And so never feel like, I wonder what he would think about this idea. Probably I'm going to like it. Because when I was approached about that one yesterday, I'm going, yes, I do like that idea. Let's make it happen. What did the Bible say? What did Jesus say? Suffer the little children unto me and forbid them not. And I know I've shared this story a few times in this church over the past seven or eight months, and I've shared it in the past. I guess the year was 1998, and we were trying to make the decision at the time. My overseer, Bishop, was telling me I needed to go have a large, you know, have a church on a full-time, more of a full-time basis than just filling in here and there. And so I visited several churches around the southeast that were looking. One was in North Carolina, and it was a big, beautiful building, had lots of property. I mean, they were financially very well off. And the congregation did not fill the church by any means, but it wasn't an issue. They had the money. And during my inquisition, commonly known as the interview, 
this one dear lady looked at me, and you had to have seen her face. You know, the rouge, the, the certain look, the certain perfume, everything. Well, what do you think about children in the church? I said, I think it's wonderful. I think we should get them exposed to the inside of the church and the sanctuary from the time they're born. And whether we have them leave for part of the service and come back, that's, that's, that's one thing. I don't, whatever works. Well, I don't like children in the church. They annoy me. And I looked at her and said, you annoy me. Remind, that I reminded her of what Jesus said. I said, apparently you have a problem with what the Lord said. And if this is how this church thinks, I withdraw even wanting to be here. Well, they went through a lot of turmoil over the years. They've come back, and here's the irony. All that old guard is dead and gone, and the church now has a school, and it's full of kids. This, this lady's probably spinning in her grave. You mean children in my church? <laughs> so, and I know another one like it in Florida, up near Melbourne area, had the same issue. They now have a full-time school with students. And it is what is what makes that church what it is. And I think our little church here, we can be the focal point for an online school for those that are seeking to homeschool that need the help to do it. And I know people that have their degrees and, and actually make their living doing it right now. And it could be done where virtually anybody, virtually everybody could afford it. And those that can't, well, we'll make sure they can still have their kids go. I would never want finances to be a barrier to a child getting a quality education. That's just the way I think. One announcement not in your bulletin. I know it's going to be in next week's bulletin. In February, by the way, treatments, halfway done. Number three was done on Thursday. Three more to go. Um, the only side effects that I'm having... By the way, the nurse that is taking care of me each session who has been doing this for, what, a couple of decades now, she's, she goes, you're remarkable the way you're tolerating this. Uh, you're not having a whole lot of problems, and the problems you are having are the ones you're supposed to have to prove that it's working. Most men cannot tolerate having this stuff in them for two hours, and we're going through the two hours, no problem. And we're getting home. And then the two side effects. I get really tired. The stuff, because your immune system is now in overdrive. And you're just like, man, i got to get some sleep. And then having to get up four or five times a night. Because, you know, it, it irritates so terribly. But she said, if this is what's happening, this stuff's really working well on you. You are a good candidate for this. So uh, the worst case scenario, as I'm learning, some men have to have this treatment you know, not six times, but three times every year. You know, they go through a three-week period. And there are men that are living well into their 90s when they were diagnosed in their late 50s with the kind of cancer that I have. They just keep it at bay forever. Because, you know, it stops it, gets rid of it, and it takes forever to get restarted to get, you know, to get going again. So, but some men, by the second go-around, because I'll have one three-week go-around probably this summer, uh, sometimes get, go for years before having to be dealt with again. So I have a very optimistic point of view, and I feel great. And, and you know, the, like I say, the only problem is having to 
you know, make sure I feel like that old guy. Make sure you know where the you know the the rest stops are. You know, along the way, get to a grocery store. Which way? Just in case, you got to always be ready. One last, like I say, one last item that's in the, that's not in the bulletin. After the last treatment, which is on the, I believe it's the eighth. The very next day, um, I got to be up at the little airport at Rural Retreat, where I'm being picked up by a private jet to be flown down to Toccoa, Georgia, <laughs> where I used to live for many, many years. And I'm doing an ordination on Saturday late morning for a guy that I've known for years, who is a, a clergyman, but he's being elevated within his church body to be what we call a bishop or overseer. Funny, he's the guy that got me into this, and I kind of leapfrogged him to this position, and so he asked me if I'd be the one to do the ordination. His son has been very successful in business, and that's why we can do the private jet thing. It's not that I have that, believe me. But the son, and I got a little story about him, he came to visit one time when we were, my late wife and I were in Tacoa. And at that time, I had a stray cat that I had adopted. It was just about the size of my little palm here when it was trying to cross a four-lane road. And I stopped my car, scooped it up, put it in, bought it home. And, we, and my five little dogs raised that little cat. Greatest cat I ever had. Except he knew how to get up on the counter and get the dog treats for the dogs and all that kind of stuff. He was well-trained. Great personality. But when my friend's son came by one evening... That cat just fell in love with this, with him. And so he went home that night with him, went to college with him, <laughs> went everywhere. Quite a cat, so um, that's got to be 25 years ago now. But, uh, but still, um, he, and he has just been so successful, and God has blessed his, his career. And his father is just a great friend of mine. And he's got a beautiful church on a river on the South Carolina-Georgia line that he built from scratch. It's bigger than this building. Started with nothing. They have about 60 on a Sunday morning. Out in the country in the middle of nowhere. You have to know, you have to go somewhere else to, to start to even get there. It's off the road that much. But they've grown, and, and I'm just so excited for him. And then after that, we'll be here that Sunday, the next day, because we get back Saturday. And then Monday, the 12th, we are, we are driving down to Florida. We've got, I have not been to our home in Florida in two years. We have things that need to be done on the house. There's some work to be done. There's some family issues. I've got family I haven't seen. I've got a great, I've got a great granddaughter I haven't held yet. It's been two years. She was born right after we came up and then all this health stuff and we never got back. So... I'm, I'm looking, for, we have things being worked out to cover the services, so we're not, no, we're not shutting down. And, and I'm even debating, maybe, maybe I'll torture you from Florida and be up on the screen. It can be done. Of course, you may not feel really good if it's like 25 degrees outside and I'm, I'm at Jensen Beach or something with the water wearing my Hawaiian shirt or something to share a message. But we're working on those details right now. Once again, I know I've taken a long time at the beginning, but I just wanted to share that. We'll be gone a couple of few Sundays, and then, then we're back, and then we journey toward Easter. 
With that said, let's see if I've got everything else that I need here. I want to make sure that I've, I've got to be careful when I touch these screens because they're so sensitive. If you can, stand and sing with us. Here I am to worship. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, 
Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and all our dangers and necessities and stretch forth thy right hand to help and defend us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated for the reading of God's word. Beginning this morning with the Old Testament reading of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim it to the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, in three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going on a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and the Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Now together, if we read Psalm 62, verses 6 through 14 together. For God alone my soul in silence waits. Truly my hope is in him. We alone, he alone is my rock and my salvation and my stronghold. So that I shall not be shaken in God is my safety and my honor. God is my strong rock and my refuge. Put your trust in him always. O people, pour out your hearts before him, for God is our refuge. Those of high degree are but a fleeting breath. Even those of low estate cannot be trusted. On the scales they are lighter than a breath, all of them together. Put no trust in extortion. In robbery take no empty pride. Though wealth increase, do not set your heart upon it. God has spoken once. Twice I have heard it, that power belongs to God. Steadfast love is yours, O Lord, for you repay everyone according to his deeds. And lastly, the epistle, the first of Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 29 through 31. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they have no possessions. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. This is the word of the Lord. Next is the gospel. Mark chapter 1. Our gospel comes from Mark chapter 1, beginning at the 14th verse. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came unto Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, 
his brother casting nets into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he'd gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were also in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them and said, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand if you can as we sing our message hymn. Father, as we come to this time, as we gather around your word, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us this day. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Matthew, if you look at the various gospels, we'll start with Mark here because this is what we read from today. When Luke writes something, or Matthew writes something, they go into a lot of detail. Mark is what I call the Reader's Digest of the Bible. 
Because Mark just gets right to the point. Jesus did this, he did this, and he did this, and on his way he went. The other ones have got to give you the entire backstory of every little thing going on. Mark gives you the outline, all the way from the beginning, all the way through his writings. In our reading today, we see how Jesus approached Simon, Andrew. And and you notice that all Mark records is Jesus walks up, follow me, and then they just get up and go. And the same with the rest, you know, follow me. They got up and go. The other Gospels say there's a little bit more to the story. Jesus gets there with Simon and company and Andrew. And he says, you're fishermen. Yeah, it's been a bad night. We shared this last week. I just want to kind of remind you again. Well, throw the nets out one more time. Are you out of your mind? Fish are gone. Okay, we'll do it. Just to shut you up. They did, and the boat about sank with all the fish that came on board. Then Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. Leave it behind and follow me. And they did. You know, notice that Mark didn't bother with that part of the story. He just went right to Jesus came, said, follow me. And they did. The same is true with all those that Jesus called. There was a little bit of an exchange besides just, hi, follow me. And off they go. In essence, that's what they did. They did forsake all to follow him. Oftentimes, and this is really, it's not a very long message today, but I want to just drive this point home as much as I can. Jesus calls us, and and I don't care what anybody says, and I said this last week, and this is what I want to build upon today. Jesus does not necessarily call the qualified. More often than not, he qualifies the called. I said that last week, and I want that to really sink in. There are people that I have met that thought they never could amount to anything in God's economy, in God's kingdom. I don't have an education. I don't have this. I don't have the other. Well, guess what? Neither did Simon, Peter... Neither did Andrew, neither did any of them. The only two that had anything that resembled an education was Luke. And he writes a lot, and he's one of those, you know, you've got to throw in all the detail. And Matthew, the tax collector, who is into numbers, figures, and a lot of detail, and lineology, and everything else. Matthew's whole beginning is who begat who to get to where we are. A guy that's used to census taking and knowing who's in the population would tend to do something like that. Jesus once looked at Simon, who became known as Peter, and he asked him a question. And I know that we'll get to this some other time later this year, where he says, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Okay. A little while later, Jesus goes, Simon, do you love me? Well, yeah, I just told you so. 
and feed my sheep. A little while later, Jesus goes, Simon, do you love me? And you can see probably the expression on Peter's face. Why do you keep asking me this question? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then he makes a pronouncement. That's when the name Simon disappears and it becomes Petra. We know it is Peter, the rock. Upon this rock I shall build my church. Now, when you look at Andrew and Simon, where they came from and what, who they were and what they had, they were just lowly fishermen. They were the bottom of the rung, so to speak. This was, you know, hard work career. And it was, as they say, feast or famine. Some days you had good fishing, other days you didn't. Some days you had money, some days you didn't. And you, it was backbreaking work and you had to do it at night. You didn't even get to sleep normal hours. It was not an easy job to do what they did on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus chose him, Simon, and who became Peter. And as you go into the book of Acts, you see the incredible leadership position that Peter takes in Jerusalem, along with the other apostles. He became kind of the go-to guy. Notice, as I said last week, Jesus didn't look for the most educated person that knew all about the scrolls and knew all about Isaiah, that knew all about all of this, that, and the other, and could tear apart the Psalms and understand the prophecies. He picked the lowly fishermen that could probably barely read or write, if he could at all, and chose to manifest himself through his 12 chosen apostles. He does that with us today. When, when you think about people that have been great in God's kingdom, most of them came up from some of the lowliest backgrounds. There was once a young guy that his life wasn't really going anywhere, and he happened to be in a church and heard the gospel message and yielded his life to Christ made that commitment and as he started living his life he heard that call on him I want you to proclaim my name I want you to be a preacher I want you to be a preacher and I want you to be an evangelist and his reply was I'm not good enough for that I mean look where I come from I can't talk to all these people but he answered God's call and he decided, okay, there's a Bible school not far away from where I live. And so he went there, went there for the first year, lanky kind of guy that he is. And one of the professors at that university told him, you ain't got what it takes to be a preacher. You just don't have it. And you won't amount to much. And if you did become a preacher, you'd be in some little backwater country church in the mountains of the North Carolina or Virginia and never to be heard from again. Well, it, it kind of crushed his spirit to hear that from people that were learned, that had experience, that, that had pastored and preached in big churches. 
So he thought about it and finally decided to, okay, I'm going to go to a school that maybe where I can work and and learn and and maybe that's what I'll do. I'll be I'll just be a little preacher guy in some little church and maybe be a part-time farmer or something to make ends meet. So he went to a little Bible school down in Florida near Tampa. And when he graduated, he went to a couple of churches and people said, "Boy, you're not a bad preacher." See, God used this lanky unknown kid from North Carolina. His name was Billy Graham. He was told he doesn't have what it takes. He comes from a backwoods family. He doesn't have anything. God put into him who he was. It wasn't his talents. He was God by the power of his Holy Spirit upon somebody like a Billy Graham. I bet you a thousand dollars, I shouldn't be saying that, but I, if I had it, I could very safely win this bet. I bet nobody knows the name of that learned professor that told Billy Graham, you ain't got what it takes, go back to the hills of North Carolina. He's probably an obscure note in history. The only way we'd know it, Billy Graham probably put it somewhere in a biography or autobiography or something. Otherwise, he'd be lost to time. Even, and I'll tell you this, I can remember, and this is not brag, this is once again a God thing. When I first answered the call to the ministry, I thought it'd be a very limited one. Okay, well, it's going to be a little bit more than limited. And I, I can remember when I was being told how much study and how much work I was going to have to do. And I'm like 40 years old. Getting ready for my... It's right before my 40th birthday. And I'm going, Lord, I, I, I have a full-time job that demands a lot of travel. And, and now I've got to be doing all of this study and, and for the next four or five years of my life. And I can remember this very smug, I'm not going to say his name, clergyman who is on what's called the Examining Chaplains Group thinking a person like me, it's going to take you at least three or four years to go through this, and you'll probably fail, but it'll be diagnostic so you can go back and do it for two or three more years, and maybe you'll get through the process. And I thought about it, and I said, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? And I talked to the guy that said, you really need to do this, and I said, what do you think? He said, said, start, see how the journey goes. If in a few months' time you know it's not for you, then we'll just rethink this. So I started, and somehow God gave me this super burst of energy, ability, and my, I mean, I blew out my eyes. That's why I wear glasses from all the reading. Before that, I never wore glasses. And writing and typing. Thank the Lord for computers and word processors for all the paperwork I had to generate. Eighteen months later, it dawned on everybody I had completed all the courses that they thought would take three and a half to four years. I was done. Not only was I done, I passed everything with flying colors. And the smug guy was like, hmm, what are they? And they knew I didn't cheat. No way to do it. 
and then I was ordained to the ministry. Now, my background had been, I mean, what, what is my experience to do all these great things for God? I was a top 40 disc jockey in my younger years. Whoopee! By the way, today is National DJ Day. 50 years ago, I was spinning the hits. Wondering where my next job would be because back then you didn't stay long in a radio station. They changed formats, they changed personalities, unless you're in the big cities. And I had this goal 50 years ago I'm going to make it to a big city and I'm going to be a big time DJ. I'm going to either be in Cleveland or Detroit or, or New York City or Dallas or Atlanta. And I did make it to Atlanta, did make it to a high powered radio station, and woke up one day and said, This is not a good way to live. Too insecure. And so I made the decision to change and over the next three years move to the engineering side. But God could take the likes of me, somebody that gave his life to him at a young age, and be patient and wait till the time was right to say, hey, Bob, or Robert, follow me. Me? <laughs> I'm not. No, I, I don't have the degree. I don't have this. I don't have... Excuses. All of it excuses. Every bit of it. No, no, no. I Follow me. Now, my ministry, I, I have never pastored churches of thousands of people. But I have started churches from nothing that still survive. I have seen churches that were nothing that grew, and I've watched what happens when you forsake the Word of God and you watch the church die. I've seen it all. But God has used me in a different way. I reach more people outside of the building than I do inside of the building. That's why I wear this little thing whenever I preach. And I've been doing that now since 2002. I have no idea. Well, I do sometimes. I have no idea of who listens to these messages or who watches these messages or how we impact families each and every week. I, I never know. Except when I get that occasional email. Heard from somebody this morning that he and his wife listen to my daily radio program and the Friday program had last Sunday's message on it. I always use that on the Friday program in the second half. And it's one of those things that touch their hearts. I had several people reply. By the way, you, you'll, love, you'll love this. I want you to hear this. And I think I mentioned it to you. One of the people that watched and listened said they almost cried with the beautiful sound of children. We have a mission. This church is called... And I'm realizing today, as we have gone through this process of people through, that God is bringing together a family of people that are going to work together wonderfully. And whether you know it or not, and I mentioned this to my wife the other day, everybody in this room may not know it right now, but you are called. God has called you. Will you answer that call?
I'll close with the same little hymn verse that I shared last week, and I, I should have written the lyrics down. And, and this one verse, and I didn't share this verse, that, that kind of talks about the things you think you can't do. If you cannot, if you cannot raise the wicked, if you cannot preach like Paul. This is from that hymn, Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling. If you cannot raise the wicked, if you cannot preach like Paul. You can tell the little children that Jesus died for them and all. For loud and long the Master calleth. Rich reward he offers thee. Let me never hear you saying, you know, let me hear you saying, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. My prayer today for you, as we get ready to pray for Christ's church and the needs of all here, what's God calling you to do? You may think, well, I'm, I've always felt I should do this, but I, I, I don't think I can. You want to bet? You want to bet? What did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If anybody has no business standing in front of a congregation, because I don't have the pedigree, I don't have this, and I don't have the other, I shouldn't share this story, but I will. This is my closing point. I can remember being in a church well, we wish we had somebody with extra earned doctorate degrees. Well, they've got a person that does that now. And if you want to be able to get dental work done without anesthesia, just listen to this guy preach. He says nothing. But he's got the degrees. And they're happy because the church is no longer challenged to do anything. Except just come together and pretend that we're special. This church is special. Because God called this family together. And family, we are. you today is that you listen to that voice and answer his call. Let us pray for the whole church in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, you desire not the death of a sinner, but that all would repent and believe in the gospel. In this revelation of your son, this time of epiphany, your time of salvation, your kingdom has come near. As this world passes away, give faithfulness and urgency to your church to proclaim the gospel of our Lord. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the harvest, you called Simon Peter and Andrew, James and John to follow you and made them fishers of men. So send faithful preachers of your gospel in our time. Lord, increase those willing to answer your call for service in your church. Lord, raise up those to serve in your name. Bless those and encourage those willing to be teachers to both the young and the old, the children and the adults. Eternal Lord, in view of every current distress, as the present form of this world passes away, give constancy and commitment to your people in their God-given stations. Give comfort and faithfulness to the married and strengthen them to pass on the faith to the next generation, to all your people. And Almighty God, preserve our nation with its rulers, call to repentance those who have forgotten you. We pray for all those in authority and all who serve for the good of the people. And Father, turn us from every distracting anxiety and dealing of this world. Your blessed gospel in its end. And give us confidence in the resurrection and peace of a clean conscience. Father, for all those that are suffering in mind and body and spirit with physical needs, we pray by the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, to heal them and mercifully to hold and comfort them. And all these things and whatever else you know that we may need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. As we close our service today, our closing music, our closing hymn is, is actually an old hymn. And as the Lord is talking to you today, as he says, come and follow me, answer with this hymn, I surrender all.
beseech thee that the words we heard this day with our outward ears made through thy grace be grafted in our hearts and all our works begun continued and ended in thee will glorify your name and now may the peace of god which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds may the blessing of god almighty the father the son and the holy spirit be with you this day and forevermore amen Depart in peace, serve the Lord with gladness. You've been listening to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Beerman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We want to thank you for being a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com that is trinitychapelvirginia.com and we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another service from Trinity Chapel